And now, from the Spinnaker Radio Studios, critics have said he has a face for radio and a voice for silent films, your host, Ben Gordon. Alright, it's about that time for the Doc G Show. Yes! I am Doc G, and with me, once again, is Captain Mmm Air Mmm Uh Cirillo. Did I get it right? Was that it? Wait, what? Uh close. That was us pretty close. <laughs> uh yes, Eric Cirillo here. Reporting live. How are we doing, Doc G? Oh, good man. What's uh what's happening this week? Anything new? You know, same old, same old. I actually, I've got to do a, a long form story for my my broadcast from a news class, so I'm uh, I'm a little nervous about that because I have no idea what I'm reporting on. So that's great. Hey, didn't and, you uh, report yeah. on me one time, or I was a I was a like expert witness in your report? I, hmm. I did. Yes, you were my expert. You were the doctor that I needed. I was like, hey, yes. this guy's a doctor. There's my expert that I need in this news story. Awesome. And um, people were like, really, that guy? I was like, yeah. That homeless guy's was, a doctor? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, yeah, believe it. I mean, are you going to have to do that over the weekend? Uh, I'm going to have to yeah, get ready over the weekend and try to call up people and set interviews mm. as soon as I find out what I'm doing it on. So, you know, hopefully we'll hopefully that'll come together. Mm. Some friends of mine wanted to make plans uh, this weekend. They wanted to go see a movie. You want to know what Ooh. movie they wanted to see? John Wick 2? No, I wish. Uh, they wanted to see Rings. No, sir. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. I immediately shot that down. Two seconds, said, nope. Then I got what you get with every weirdo that's a giant horror fan, which is, what, you don't like scary movies? And my answer is no. The answer for any sane person is no. I, I, I don't honestly understand the logic of scary movies. The idea behind a movie is it's an escape from your real life, right? Yes! You leave the real world for two hours. When I leave the real world, I like to leave the world and enter a world with funny people and a lot of jokes, a world where the ugly funny guy gets the ridiculously hot girl at the end of the movie for no explainable reason. That's the world I like to go to. That's the type of world that seems nice to escape to. When you tell me the world I'm going to escape to is where a crazy, demented 10-year-old crawls out of your TV and kills you in seven days. Ew. I'm, I'm not too psyched about going to that world. You can keep that world to yourself. Whenever some dude tells me, you've got to see this new horror movie, it'll scare the crap out of you. Wait, what? I'm like, you know what? I, I don't need to. I watched the news last night. And uh, I'm good. I've seen all the scary stuff I need to for the next week. I'm all set. But for real, I don't get why someone would feel the need to leave our frightening real-world existence on Earth and edge it up with, with ghosts and axe murderers and demented dolls and whatever else you got. I read a review for Rings, and it started out by saying, this is a lethargic, sad unnecessary horror sequel when is there a necessary sequel when is there a necessary horror movie when has that ever happened 
Then, one of my friends that I was talking to said, Dude, it's because it makes you feel alive. Thank you. I really need to have the crap scared out of me to feel alive. Breathing is... <sighs> yep, that's a pretty good indicator that I'm alive. Got it. That's a fact. You know... I really felt like when Jeff said that, I wanted to find his girl and pay her, her like 20 bucks to go up to Jeff and tell her, uh, tell him that she was pregnant. And then when he's called the doctor and his parents and his life's in a tailspin, I'll be like, dude, she's messing with you. I'm the father, not you. Then let that sink in. And then after that, be like, I'm just messing with you, man. None of that happened. But dude, didn't that make you feel alive? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You know, on this show, we make you feel alive, but we don't scare the crap out of you. Amen. We do it with good old-fashioned convo, tunes, and good company. Isn't that right, Eric? That is. I, I don't understand why people like scary movies or, or why they... Like, I, can, I guess I can understand like going and seeing it one time, but the people that like buy them and watch them repeatedly really makes no sense to me. It's not like you're watching a comedy where like the joke is still funny and and you find different things each time and funny moments and it's just a good a feel good movie that when you watch it you're like man you know that makes me i just feel really good right now i'm in a great mood you know i never i don't want to watch a movie and then randomly at 10 o'clock at night think about it and then become all worried that someone is in my bathroom or that like the house is making noises and yeah it's just the house but then i start to think oh no what if someone's actually up in that attic right now dude i kid you not after seeing that first one when i was a little kid wells scared the hell out of me for like for years yeah man every time i saw one i was like oh god there's probably someone stuck in there and they're gonna come out and kill me or something and then it's great and then the people that actually like scary movies are like yeah isn't that awesome no um let's go ahead and move on shall we let's start up the show oh man i'm so excited i may vomit are you ready eric to start up the show? Um, I think I'm super ready. Okay. Well, you know how we start up the show. We started up right with a good birthday suit. Am I right? Yes! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, today, I did pass up on some really good birthdays. I'll give you that heads up once again. Um, Birdman's birthday was today. The rapper. What? That's right. Susan B. Anthony. Yeah, that was also today. Uh, Galileo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt Groening, the uh, the producer, the star, uh, the, the maker of The Simpsons. Uh, but I, I chose it in my in my life even more important than all of those people. So here comes the first clue. Our birthday suit wearer, born February fifteenth, nineteen sixty four, in Madison, Wisconsin. They have three brothers and a sister. And they ended up graduating from Marquette University in 1986 with a degree in communication. That's the first clue. Pretty big clue that time. Mm -hmm. Got anything. 1964, Madison, Wisconsin, Marquette grad. Hmm. 
I don't have anything yet. I just hope that this week you don't really think I'm going to get it. No. Because last week I felt like such a failure. I will be blown away if you don't get this one. Because this one is in your wheelhouse. This okay. one you you should know. Okay. Uh, all right. So keep that in mind. We're going to come back to it. We're going to give another clue before we take a break, before our, uh, our music break. So it's time for... Rip from the headlines. Go ahead and hit us, Jebediah. Let's hear it. And now, the news. Oh, yeah. Sweet music to our ears. We love you, Jeb. Just brightens my day. I know, right? He's just, he's like a, a, a sunflower. That's Jeb. Wait, what? So, speaking of flowers, there's a segue right into our first story. Recent story in the New York Times discussed how the city of Paris has problems with public urination. Ew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they've uh, really uh, been having a hard time getting people to not urinate in all of their streets. That's a fact. So their solution was to produce what they call a uretrator. Uretrator uh, has graffiti-proof paint, uh, does not use water, works by storing urine on the top of a bed of dry straw, sawdust, or wood chips. And it basically looks like a flower pot. Um, And then it's monitored remotely by a urine attendant who can see on a computer when the uretrator is full. And then they just take that away and uh, they turn it into compost later to be used in public gardens. So they're really hoping this is going to turn out... um, and really help public urination, which apparently, huge problem in a lot of big cities. Didn't even know in San Francisco, such a big problem, uh, it actually caused a street lamp to fall over because so many people had peed on the base of the street lamp. Oh, come on! And their first uh, solution, San Francisco's first solution to that uh, problem, was that they would paint all the walls around uh, the city in a paint that was uh, repellent that makes urine spray back on the person that's being. And when I read this, I just imagined somebody like, all right, well, oh, it's all on me. I can't do it anymore. No. Like, I don't, I mean, if, you're, if you've already made the decision to pee in public, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're fine with a little bit of splashback. That's probably not going to stop you. But hopefully these uretrators will uh, help people. Um, not urinate in the streets of France. Eric, what do you think about this? It sounds like it's actually promoting public urination because now people. Yeah, you've like, got toilets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, looks like they they haven't like tried to stop it. They've just uh, done a better job at accommodating you. And so instead of trying to stop it, they're like, well, hey, people are going to do it anyway. Let's benefit from this. Let's have a little, you know, uh, platonic relationship with these people. And and really, we can both get something out of this. You can pee wherever you want, and we can fertilize our gardens around the the place. So Yeah. Uh, Also, though, like the one in San Francisco, how acidic was the pee that made that fall? Because wasn't it in cement or was it like in Play-Doh? I don't know what type. uh, All it said was a street lamp. If there's anybody out there listening to the show that has some insight on the street lamp, that you can let us know. You can email the show. Let us know about uh, what composition the street lamp was, not the urine. We don't. We don't need to know the composition yeah. of that. But um, yeah, I, I just uh, also I didn't mention, but San Francisco actually does 
already have an open-air toilet in Dolores Park. So we actually beat France on starting this trend of uh, open-air toilets. So take that, France. How do you like that? How do you like those apples? Um, Speaking of San Francisco, got another story about San Francisco. Apparently... San Francisco Police Department has confirmed it's taken more than 20 reports from strip uh, strip club customers alleging their bank cards were charged thousands of dollars without their consent in North Beach strip clubs. One guy who filed one of these claims with the police uh, but didn't want to use his real name for the news story, they called him Steve. Steve said, don't go in. Just don't go in there. It's very pleasing and alluring front. But you don't know what's going to happen to you once you get in there. Steve went into uh, Little Darlings just before Christmas 2014. It was late. I was lonely. You know, Steve said. I passed by Little Darlings. A couple of very attractive women said, Hey, where are you going, buddy? Hmm. Steve said he handed over his driver's license to be scanned by club security. And an hour and a half later, Steve expected to just pay a $200 tab that he had. But he says the dancer told him his credit card had been declined. So he withdrew cash from the club's ATM to pay her. When he got home, he said he had a bad feeling. He checked his balance. It was empty. This just in, Eric. Apparently, strip clubs aren't the classy, refined business that we all thought they were. I mean, (laughs) I would expect this at a church bake sale or a Red Cross donation center, but my Mm -hmm. local strip club? I mean, what's the news going to tell me next? That strippers don't actually think that I'm interesting? That my jokes aren't actually funny? They're just doing it to get my money? I mean, really, come on, Eric. What's the world coming to? I don't know. Next, they're going to say that, you know, their names really aren't uh, candy and, and stripes and all of this fun stuff. This is ridiculous. Don't scare me. You're turning into a scary movie, Eric, and I already told you I don't like those, all right? Yes! I can't handle I, this, all this horrible publicity about strip clubs. The name of the strip club sounds like it's like a dance studio for young toddlers. Yeah. Little darlings. It's really Ooh. pedophile-ish. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that sounds like. Yeah. Oh, he was feeling lonely, and, well, little, you know how Steve likes the little ones. Little darlings. Not a good one, guys. Uh, so if you're in the area, um, stay away. Don't lose all your money in your bank account. In other news, uh, Wang Ki was a former... Uh, army soldier of China. He was positioned near the border of India in 1963, not long after the uh, Sino-Indian War. And he wandered away from camp one night, and he got lost. Oh, come on! While he was uh, lost, he accidentally wandered over the border, didn't notice that he did that. Uh, he got really worried about being lost, about not knowing where he was, and he found a Red Cross vehicle. And he was like, hey, can you help me out? And they uh, they were like, yeah, we'll help you out. And they helped him out by turning him over to the Indian Army, who uh, put him in various jails for six years. Wait, what? Then after that, they uh, took him out of jail, finally. And they were like, uh, hey, stay in this village. Um, we're not going to let you do anything in this village. We're going to deny you citizenship and uh, any type of documents. And you won't be able to buy land. And it'll be really tough to hold down a job 
and uh, you can't go back to China. Um, but just hang out here. And so he did, and eventually he married someone, and uh, he had kids, and then those kids had kids. So he now has grandkids. And uh, just the other week, the Chinese embassy finally called up with him, and they came around and they were like, "Hey, do you know you're from China? Do you do you want to come back?" And he was like, uh, "It's been 54 years. Uh, I've sort of moved on with my life." Majority of my life has been here. I can't really relocate my whole family back to China. And they're like, oh, cool. But you can still come back for a visit if you want. So he's going back for a visit to have some noodles, he said. He's really looking forward to having some noodles from his hometown. Eric, um, how do you think you would handle that situation? I don't know. I would. I would think like, I was like, is this a practical joke? Was this like a fifty-four year long joke that I was gonna wander across? And I was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's mess with them for the next fifty-four years and not let them come home and trap them in this camp. And then they're like, hey, uh, it's been fifty-four years. You want to tell me you can uh, come back home? Like, just an interesting story all the way around. Speaking of interesting stories, one happened in Canada this week. Apparently, uh, family's home. Uh, they lost it due to fire. That's not the interesting part. That's the sad part. Uh, luckily, they didn't lose their lives. And the reason they didn't lose their lives was because their cat alerted them to the blaze. They say the cat noticed the flames around 3.30 a.m. I don't know if they talked to the cat or how they figured out the cat noticed flames around 3.30, but that's what the NBC News story says. And it pulled at her owners uh that wasn't enough apparently the owners didn't open uh wake up really and so then uh it bit the owners on the arm to wake them up and once they woke up the family realized that the uh, house was on fire and they escaped without any injuries my favorite part is is when i was reading the story they had pictures and i see the uh cat being taken out of the house by the firefighters apparently when the family ran out of the house, they left the cat in the fire. Oh, come on! And the, the firefighters had to come out and pull the cat out. And I'm like, man. First off, let's clear up a couple things. First off, the cat was not trying to save the family. The cat was trying to save the cat. Yes! It doesn't care if those people are alive or not. The only reason that cat puts up with those people in its house is because the people give it food. And then, the family betrayed the cat by leaving it in the burning house. That cat is going to hold some grudges for a long time. Uh, Eric, I know you're you're a dog fan. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think dog would do this? I I would hope he would. I would hope my uh, my little buddy would come in and lick me on the face or bark or something. I would assume so. Also, though, did this house not have like a fire alarm, like a smoke detector? No, I guess I guess not. It uh, they they didn't say anything about it, so maybe they ripped it out because it was low on battery and the noise was annoying them. I've been in that situation before. Maybe that was the case. I don't know. Like well, like the episode from Friends when Phoebe does that. Yeah, and she smashes in a whole bunch of people. I I've literally done that before, except not the smash part. Um, but. You know, on that, that, that note of dogs, I would expect a dog to do it. That's why I thought this, this story was so weird that a cat actually did that. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I like cats a lot, but they're not friends of people. 
They just put up with people. And I was surprised. And then I realized, I was like, oh, it had no other option to get out of the house besides having to wake up the people. Speaking of other animals, apparently there's a dolphin swimming around in Kumbana Bay, Australia, with a shirt on. The Department of Parks and Wildlife sent out a tweet the other day uh, about this dolphin. And they put in the tweet, it is very unlikely that the dolphin swam into the shirt on its own. That's a fact. As a result, they said that they have a uh, fine of up to $4,000 for the perpetrator who put a shirt on the dolphin. Girl, come on! Uh, there were two things I noticed about this. Um, one, uh, I like how the Parks and Wildlife Department said most likely... Uh, the, the dolphin didn't put the shirt on. I think it was, he definitely did not put the shirt on. There was no most likely scenario. There was no scenario that a dolphin was like, you know what? I really like this shirt. I'm going to put it on. It's going to make me look good out here in Kumbana Bay. Everybody's going to want to party with this dolphin. It's just not going to happen. Second of all, uh... They, they, they talked about four... Th- How are they going to find the person that put this shirt on a dolphin? Any ideas about the story, Eric? Uh, the only way I can think of is like if they just kept finding a bunch of dolphins wearing t-shirts. And they're like, who the hell keeps putting these t-shirts on these dolphins? And then one day they just see this guy like... I don't even... The, the, the picture in my head of someone trying to catch a dolphin... Not like let alone hold on to it because those things look super slippery. I was about to say, get a t shirt around that thing. I feel like they'd be quite wily. That doesn't doesn't sound like it would work. Apparently, though, dolphins are um, like extremely intelligent animals. Oh, yeah, they're super intelligent, but I mean, still, I I don't see a a benefit for them to put a shirt on. Maybe there's a shirt just kind of floating around and they managed to, I don't know, grab onto it somehow. And they're like, you know what? It's time to spice up Thursday. I'm wearing a shirt. Turn these lady dolphins on. Ah, guys, that has been ripped from the headlines. Uh, We are going to take a musical break, but we will be right back. We're going to hear from Big Thunder and the Rumblefish. This is their newest single, guys. This is Lay It Down on the Doc G Show. Let's lay it down.
And we are back on the Doc G Show. That was none other than uh, the Big Thunder and the Rumblefish. You know, friends of the show. Close, close friends. They actually had a gig this past uh, weekend in, uh, I think it was in Sumter. I think Sumter, South yes. Carolina, pretty big, uh, pretty big gig they had going on there. Hopefully, all the guys are doing well. That was a really good uh, song. If you want to check it out again, that's uh, Big Thunder and the Rumblefish. Lay it down. So uh, we are going to move on now to the birthday suit once again. The birthday suit. Where are you ready, Eric? I'm ready. All right. So here we go. So uh, the first clue was. That our birthday suit wearer, born on February 15, 1964, Madison, Wisconsin, three brothers and a sister, ended up graduating from Marquette in 1986 with a degree in communication. After college, our birthday suit wearer started working for the Scotch Oil Company in Madison, Wisconsin, but ended up uh, not working there uh, for very long because he ended up falling in love with the stage and comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He ended up working in Chicago at the Second City Theater. That would be the second clue. So, uh, after college, started working Scotch Oil Company, which his father owned, um, in Madison, Wisconsin, but ended up falling in love, stage, and comedy. Uh, started working at the Second City Theater in Chicago. Any ideas? Um, Will Ferrell? Not Will Ferrell, but good guess. Good guess. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of big uh, Second City guys out there. Uh, big names. Um, anyways, keep thinking about it. Not Will Ferrell, but keep thinking about it. Uh, we will come back after the sports section. Hit me with some sports noises. Do we have sports noises? Hit me with some sports noises. Ooh, yeah. Okay, in sports, we are starting off with uh, KD, Kevin Durant, came back to Oklahoma City. Uh, You want to know what the average price of a ticket was on StubHub for this game? Hit me. $397. Average price they were selling tickets for, $397. Not worth it Mm -mm. for me. Uh, The game ended up not being close at all really it was a bit of a downer i don't know if anybody out there listening actually watched it uh but it wasn't actually really worth watching uh eric did you catch the whole thing or just bits and pieces i only got to see bits and pieces unfortunately um i had said that i thought 
OKC would would be able to win. I thought, you know, them being at home and OKC's always got a great home crowd as it is. With Kevin Durant coming back, they would be that much, uh, you know, louder and more amped up. But um, unfortunately, I was very wrong, and Golden State was just too much. Yeah, very, very wrong. I mean, they ended up just lopsided win. They were already up by twenty some at uh, at halftime. They ended up winning one thirty to one fourteen. Uh, not surprisingly, Westbrook went off. He had forty seven points. He you know, did his normal, but nobody else on his team did anything else. Uh, you know, and a lot of people were angry at KD. You know, there were a lot of upset. They, they yelled cupcake pretty much the whole time, which was this inside joke. They're saying that him going to San, uh, going to uh, uh, the Warriors was a cupcake move. Now, if, if you know, if I'm a person... In Oklahoma City, like uh, uh, like these fans were, I can't really get mad at KD for leaving. I mean, no offense to OKC, but if you tell me I get paid the same or more, and most likely have a better chance of winning a championship, and I don't have to live in OKC, now I'm packing my bags. Yes, it's all right, Eric. Uh, I can say that. I checked last week. Nobody listened to our show from Oklahoma. Okay. But I was worried about that. a bunch of people from the Bay Area listened. So, <laughs> obviously, the Bay Area is way better. Shout out to San Jose, Mountain View, San Fran, Union City, and Palo Alto. Good job, guys. Thanks for listening. We love you. Thank you. Uh, really, do you think, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, everybody sees it as a lesser move going to Oak, uh, uh, going to the Warriors. Um but do you think the the hype that was there was really necessary? I don't know. I'm, you know, this is where I've talked about it before. It's, uh, it didn't really bother me that much. I mean, it's it was kind of a cheap move, I guess, if you want to put it that way, for Katie to go to Golden State the way, you know, after they just lose to them. But it's, you know, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't, I can't think like one because I've never been one. I certainly will never be one. So um, I can't put myself in his position, but I'd like to think that once you get to that status, you just start to think, I don't care what anyone else thinks because they're not me. This is my life and I'll do what I want to do. Whatever, I'll do what I want. If you really want to get a ring and that's everyone's main goal, you go to the place where you think you have the best chance to do that. And who wouldn't want to go to California? Yeah. He lives there in the off season anyway. Why not go there? Yeah, I, I, I completely, and, and I think that you, you hit what most people, offended most people, was it was the team, you know, that beat them. That was their whole thing. It was the team that they, that that beat them in the, in the previous playoffs, and everybody's like, how can you do that? But all the things that you just listed make it a pretty good reason to do that. Um, and, you know, when you've got all these other great players out there, he knows that one of the best ways to make himself look better, actually, is win some rings. And eventually, if it goes down the line, they're probably going to forget the whole moving teams thing as it gets further and further out and just remember the rings and the scoring titles and the MVPs. Uh, but... Let's move on from a team that's really uh, good to a team that's really horrible, the New York Knicks. 
and oh, yeah. we've got to hop on the whole Charles Oakley getting thrown out of uh, Madison Square Garden because everybody hopped on this story. Um, and it seems like to me that Nick's organization is just sitting around being like, hey, guys, what are some other things that we can do to uh, alienate players, piss off fans, and lose games? Because we're doing a pretty good job. But we really, I mean, I'm looking across this bridge at the Brooklyn Nets, and they've only won nine games. I want to get there. Let's do that. And not only do that, but make everyone that likes us hate us. How about that? Yes! Right? Um, what what happened here? What do you, what, What's the synopsis of this story? Charles Oakley. It's so weird, you know, because... If you watch the game, you know, the, the game is going on. You just hear uh, apparently there's an, you know, some an altercation going on on the floor. You know, it appears to be Charles Oakley. And it sounds like a choke at first. And then you see him just freaking out and losing it. And, and, and like 12 security guards surrounding him. And it's basically like they've just immobilized him by being so many people around one person. And then it's just this like angry walking mob out of Madison Square Garden. I was going to say, it's almost reminiscent of the, um, uh, what was it, back in the day, that old, what was it in the gardens when those, uh, what two teams was it? Was it the Pistons and the Knicks where like all the players just started fighting each other? Uh, they definitely did have a very large brawl, those two teams. Um, but you're not talking about the actual, uh, the brawl where it erupted into the, into the fans, are you? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. So that was, uh, let's see, the Pistons and the Pacers. Oh, um, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. At at the Pistons, uh, at Auburn Hills. And that was where uh, Ron Artest, uh, or Meta World Peace as he's now known, jumped up into the stands and hit the guy in the face. <laughs> which, which, Xavier McDaniels did that like 15 years before. And he went 10 rows up into the stands and punched a guy directly in the face. And that was it. And he only got, I think it was a 10-game suspension, maybe, I guess, for each row that he walked up. But uh, whatever it is, I mean, this, this whole Charles Oakley thing just doesn't make sense to me. Like, there's no reason, and a lot of people said this, like... He wasn't actually like yelling directly at uh, J- uh, Dolan. He wasn't like going up to Dolan and like you know antagonizing him. So I I don't get like why they had to throw him out. And of course everybody's gonna be on Charles Oakley's side. He you know I mean unless he actually attacked the guy, everybody's gonna be on the guy's side that played ten years for that team and made the team look great. Like I don't I don't like I don't see what the Knicks are doing and then you've got you've got Phil Jackson out there tweeting uh, you know Beatles references with let it be and he's like yeah, let it be fire emoji boom solve that problem everybody and back to my 12 million dollars oh, come on nice. I would I would love it if while that was going on like you go back and watch it if while it was going on you just see Phil Jackson like just sitting in the stands quietly, like on his phone, typing that and tweeting that out as it's going on. With with his glasses down on his nose, like Yeah. Is this the fire emoji? Anybody? Can you look at that? I think I pressed it. My fingers are pretty big though. They don't really fit on the screen. I'm sorry. Holding holding the phone like old people do, one with the left hand holding it as they type with their index finger on the other hand. I don't do that. 
I didn't know that made me old. Oh, it makes me old. I, Dead giveaway. Okay. Well, I don't do that all the time. I, uh, just sometimes. Just sometimes. Anyways. Yeah, let's let's get off me being old. How about that? That'll make me feel better. I just don't see this coming out of any situation without Phil Jackson most likely getting fired or leaving, uh, and Carmelo Anthony um, just being that immovable rock. I really don't think he's leaving. I first thought he was leaving. I don't think he's leaving anymore. I think he's just... I've said that um, for the past couple of weeks, you know, ever since this all started, um, at least not this season. I think he'll finish the season out with the Knicks and then maybe um, trade talks will kind of get back in into the swing of things. But he, he just I don't. seems so happy not winning. Like he's 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 the best player I've ever known to be just so. Uh, well, we need to get better. I'm not too in a rush to get better, but we need to do that at some point in time. I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, you know, they're not going to get into the playoffs. So let's talk about teams that could get into the playoffs. Uh, one team that has actually a reasonable chance to get in the playoffs that I, I really want to see in the playoffs, Sacramento Kings. Amen. Let me tell you why I want to see them. One, they'd be in the eighth seed, so they'd play the Warriors. And that's like two hours between those cities. A NorCal showdown. And then you've got Matt Barnes and Boogie Cousins. Yes! Those two. And then on the other side, you got Draymond Green. Just think of how many technicals would happen in that series. Oh, my gosh. That would be an interesting interesting game are there any teams you particularly want to see in the playoffs i mean aside from cleveland i know you're a cleveland fan aside from them is there any team that you're like you know what they'd be interesting um i don't know i I would like to see the hornets just because you know they just constantly can't make it you know they did last year and then they lose but um but being from you know you know the charlotte area i would i would like to see the hornets um get in there yeah i think they can with kimball walker this year i mean they're the pretty solid team they they've been doing their dance that they've done for the last like five years of like are we gonna get in are we not who knows we're sort of good no we're not good we're sort of good no we're not good right now they're actually setting on the ninth spot um yeah so I mean, they—they're there. They're there. But I will say though, other than them, and I just thought about this, uh, definitely it'd be the uh, Washington Wizards. I think uh, John Wall's just too good to not be in the playoffs. That's why I brought it up a while back uh, for one of our uh, segments. Uh, I would really like to see him play with uh, old Boogie Cousins on Sacramento. Somehow, I mean, if they could get in together, I think they'd be a real real wrecking ball but yeah washington wizards have been playing out of their mind and uh i think that's going to segue us right into it's time for the segment who cares or interesting point it's back everybody are you ready eric uh interesting points and i do care okay good he is ready and if you don't remember, for the listeners out there who are unfamiliar with this segment, basically I bring up a point, and Eric says, who cares, or that's an interesting point. So, here comes the first uh, fact. Russell Westbrook has 26 triple-doubles through uh, this week, averaging 30.9 points, 10.2 assists, and 10.5 uh, rebounds per game. But, 
Draymond Green is fourth in the league uh, with four this season. However, this past weekend against the Grizzlies, he got a triple-double in a way that no one in history has. He had four points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and 10 steals. No one has ever got a triple-double without points being a categorization. Interesting point, or who cares? I think it's an extremely interesting point. It's really interesting. It's fascinating. That's crazy. Who does that? 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and 10 steals. Uh, I remember a while back, Akeem Olajuwon was real close to doing it with blocks. He actually almost got a triple-double with blocks, which would have been maybe even more nuts. Uh, Next point. LeBron James, Barber, Nick Costamanos swears that LeBron James's hair is real, and he claims he's actually more particular about his beard than his hair. That's right. That's a premeditated neck beard. Sadly, that's the way he wants it to look. He cares more about his beard than his hair, and his hair is real. Interesting point, or who cares? Uh, who cares? Oh. Who Man. the hell Sorry cares? to break the I think he's lying. I think LeBron James pays him to say that. There's no way that's his real hair. Come on. Let's be real. It changes every single game. All right, next point. The NBA All-Star Game is coming up this weekend. The Eastern Conference is leading the number of games won with 37 to 32. Or, wait, sorry. 37 of the previous 65 uh, previous matchups. So, 37 to 28. Interesting point, or who cares? I think it's an interesting point because the West is typically seen as the better conference. Right? Yeah, but... Eastern Conference won more games. And it trends. It trends over the last several years, though. It definitely has been Western dominance. Okay, next fact. Only three players in NBA history have ever recorded triple doubles in the history of the All-Star Game. Dwayne Wade, 2012. LeBron James, 2011. Michael Jordan, 1997. Interesting fact. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. I don't really care. It's the All-Star Game. Stats don't matter in the All-Star Game. Okay, despite looking like he's constantly asleep throughout every game he's ever played, Brandon Ingram claims he's never been asleep during an NBA game. Interesting point, or who cares? I'll say interesting point just because it's I think really it's hilarious. Doesn't he, he, he always is like, it looks like somebody woke him up at 2 a.m. and he just went to sleep like 30 minutes before and he's like, what? Why? A game? All right, I'll play it. Fine. All right, next next fact. Nate Robinson is the only player to win three dunk contests, 2006, 2009, 2010. Interesting point, or who cares? Uh, who cares? Who yeah, the hell yeah, It is the dunk contest, but I think it's interesting in the fact that, I mean, he's the only one that's done it. Out of all the people that have done it, he's won it three times. I think he's the only one that just kept on saying, yeah, I'll do it again. Everybody else was like, nah, I'm good. I mean, even Zach Levine was like, eh, I'll pass. And then he tore his ACL, and everybody's like, ooh, should have gone with the dunk contest. Uh, next one. This past fall, Esquire ranked the 20 ugliest shoes in the, 20, in the past 20 years. Some notable listings. The Reebok Preacher, which was the uh, James Harden shoe, was the ugliest shoe in the past 20 years. Also listed the Dada Spreewell Spinners, 
Adidas Kobe 2s, and yes, Claude's favorite, the Starbury 1s. Some notable exceptions. Uh, Steph Curry shoe, not on there. The Steph Curry 2s, not on there. Also, I think it was just because they hadn't came out yet, but Della Della Dova's shoes, not on there either. The Delis. Girl, come on! (laughs) Air Delis. Uh, Interesting point, or who cares? Uh, who cares? No, man, come on. Have you ever seen the Adidas Kobe 2s? Those things are stupid. They're just like... Air Delis sound hilarious to me, though. It just sounds like a shoe made out of... Freaking deli meat. They're $120, by the way, the Air Delis. $120. Well, but you're Matthew Deladova. Like, I mean, come on. I mean, no offense. Way better basketball player than I'd ever be or think to be. But, I mean, when you're looking at people that have their own shoes, when you got Kobe's and you got Jordan's and you got LeBron's and then you got Delis. Air Delis. Anyways. All right, guys. That was Who Cares or Interesting Point. We are going to take another break. But before we do, we're going to hit up one more Who's Wearing Their Birthday Suit. All right. Are you ready, Eric? Yes. Here comes the third clue. As we said, he started his career at Second City Theater in Chicago, but eventually started working with the biggest names in the business, landing himself on Saturday Night Live. In the early days, he loved to play practical jokes, a lot of which involved him getting naked. He did so much that Chris Rock claimed to have seen our birthday suit wearer's crotch more than his girlfriend at that time. Ew. Any idea? Um, oh gosh, oh my god, I can't think of his name. You know what? Save it. Save right. it, and we'll 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 come back because I know you're gonna you're gonna nail it. And again, I'm not. This isn't James Dean. You're gonna actually nail this one. <laughs> um, we'll be right back after this jam from our our friends with Kelly Cheats. This is the Kelly Cheats band with their song "Moving On."
All right, guys, we are back. You just heard Kelly Cheats Band with Moving On. Remember, those guys are actually going to be in Columbia tomorrow at Tin Roof. So if you're in the Columbia area and you want to listen to some Kelly Cheats, which I would suggest that you do, you should go to Tin Roof and listen to Kelly Cheats. It'll be a good time. Uh, you are listening to the Doc G Show on Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP in Jacksonville, Florida, 95.5 FM. Eric, are you ready for the fourth clue of who's wearing their birthday suit? I hope so. Uh, I really I really hope I get this. Trust me, my man, you've got this one. This one, you've definitely got. Okay, so... We learned that our birthday suit wearer was from originally from Wisconsin. We learned that he graduated from Marquette in 1986 with a major of communication. Then he started working at Second City Street in Chicago, uh, or Second City Theater, not street. What the crap is that? Uh, Second City Theater in Chicago. Then he moved on to Saturday Night Live, where Chris Rock took claim to seem his his crotch more than his girlfriend at that time. Ew. Now, here's the fourth clue. Are you ready? Yes. After leaving Saturday Night Live, he started making movies. The first movie after leaving Saturday Night Live was his biggest in his career to date, which was Tommy Boy. Chris Farley. That is it. Hit the applause. Give me a ding, ding, ding. There we go. Yes. Chris Farley. And I, I love Chris Farley. And when I brought it up and I said he is more influential than almost, I mean, he, he is tops. I don't think I watched any VHS. The only one that I may have watched more than Tommy Boy was Ace Ventura. Those two VHSs got ran into the ground when I was a kid. I love both of those. Chris Farley's birthday today, February 15th. Um, sadly, as uh, most viewers or listeners know, uh, he died uh, December 18th, 1997, just 33 years old. Uh, he left a lot of things undone, actually. Um, I didn't know this until I was researching it for uh, the birthday suit, but apparently he was supposed to make an adaptation of my favorite uh, book, John Kennedy O'Toole's Confederacy of Dunces. He was supposed to be the uh, lead character Ignatius in that book, which if you haven't read that book, do yourself a favor, read that book, because it's awesome. It's hilarious. It's it's the most funny book you'll ever read. You'll love it. Um, also, Shrek. Do you like Shrek, Eric? I do, yeah. Yeah. Well, the first two. Chris Farley was supposed to be Shrek. They actually finished about 80% of the movie before he died. What? Yeah. Just that movie didn't come out until like after 2000. Yeah, it took a lot of editing. You know, all the uh, all the the rendering 3D. I think they re- they restarted it. You know, afterwards they had to like yeah. r- scrap it and redo the whole thing. But yes, yeah, they were supposed okay. to do it, and they actually released a little little tidbit of it in 2015, apparently. Another fun fact, Chris Farley's cousin, Jim Farley, is the CEO and chairman of Ford Europe Motor Company. So he runs all of the Ford Motor Company in Europe. Jim Hmm. Farley, Chris's cousin. Crazy. Also, fun fact, uh, Chris Farley's uh, idol, uh, who he looked up to, who he tried to be, John Belushi. 
eerily, uh, John Belushi uh, got his start at Second City Theater, and he eerily died at the same age of 33 in a very Shocking. similar way. Yeah, very, uh, very similar lives. Both of them great, but we are celebrating uh, Chris Farley as our birthday suit wearer today. If you haven't seen Tommy Boy, go see it. If you haven't seen Black Sheep, go see it. If you haven't seen Beverly Hills Ninja, go see it. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen uh, Almost Famous, go see it. Or not Almost Famous. What is it? Yeah. Almost Famous. No. Is that the name of it? Isn't that one with Drew Barrymore? The one with Matthew. No. <laughs> no. Uh, you're thinking Hudson, not Drew Barrymore. Oh, my um, uh, Is it Almost Famous or... I can't. Uh, Almost Heroes. Boom. Sorry. Couldn't think of it. Almost Heroes. It's with Matthew Perry from Friends. Uh, They're like Lewis and Clark. It actually was released after Chris Farley died, but it's an awesome movie, too. Really hilarious. Any one of those. Go see it. It's uh, Chris uh, Chris Farley wearing his birthday suit, as he did a lot to make people laugh today. So... My favorite one, just real quick, is Beverly Hills Ninja. I love that movie. It is hilarious. It is one of my favorites. I, I Same thing. VHS, I wore that one out as well. And it's got Chris Rock in it. So. Chris Rock was his sidekick in that one instead of David Spade like, uh, like Tommy Boy in Black Sheep. So, Paul Rudd update. Thank you. So, apparently, Paul didn't do too much this week. Um, that was newsworthy. Uh, or, or I didn't creep hard enough. One of the two. Um, so instead, I'm going to give you a tidbit that the Huffington Post gave us about this uh, charming SOB that is Paul Rudd. Uh, do you want to hear it, Eric? I am dying to hear it. Apparently, he's so charming that he made the writers of the show Friends uh, rewrite the script so that he could stay in the show longer and actually eventually marry Phoebe. Uh, the H- Huffington Post talked to Hank Azaria, who played the other guy that Phoebe was interested in, uh, David. And apparently, they originally had uh, planned for Hank's character to stay on the show, to be uh, to get married to uh, Phoebe. But apparently, as Hank put it, Paul Rudd is so awesome. They sort of found some groove with him, and my character became more of just the grist for that meal. That's coming straight from Hank Azaria. And, uh, you know, if I can give a basketball analogy, that's basically like Jimmy Butler saying that Kawhi Leonard is awesome. Neither of those two guys offend anyone, and most people generally think everything that uh, they do is pretty great. And I feel like that's the basketball analogy of Hank Azaria and Paul Rudd. Those two guys. They're just super nice. And I mean, who would have thought, right? Paul Rudd comes on that show and they're just like, you know what? This guy's too good to get rid of. We got to keep this guy on here. He's just, he's he's fantastic. I do love, he's probably my favorite part of the Friends is is Mike, uh, Paul Rudd as Mike, Phoebe's uh, love interest. Yeah, he's pretty great. Oh, Paul Rudd, what will you do next? Just keep us updated, won't you? Guys, we just did it. Eric, we just did it. An amazing effing show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, guys, this has been the Doc G Show. I am Doc G. With me, as always, has been... Eric Cirillo. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it up and zip it out.